God, we thank you for your presence with us today. And now, God, as we go into our message today, I just ask that this music was able to usher our hearts, our minds, our spirits to an awareness of you, an awareness of where you are drawing us closer, where you are opening up some vulnerability in us so that we can humble ourselves before you today, God, so that we can be convicted by your spirit, so that we can take what we need to from this experience and bring it out into the world, God. So God, right now I ask that uh, you guide my mouth, you guide my words, guard my tongue, and let any words that I speak here today be of you, for you, and to your glory. In your son's name I pray, amen. It's always a weird thing when you're you're like walking and praying and I never know if I got to my table so I'm like kind of walking with one eye open and sometimes I'm surprised like I'm kind of over here I'm like whoops got to take a step back all right so today it's a uh, week two of Lent it, we this is our last Sunday in February if you can believe that like how how are we already done with February it, it that like struck me this week that happened really really fast so I hope in this Lenten season, if you don't practice Lent, um, Lent is a season in the church that we practice. Um, it's a season of reflection and repentance, meaning it's a, a time of examining ourselves and turning away from things that don't orient our lives towards God. And we do that in a number of ways, and we went through that in here. Um, if you want to Google spiritual disciplines, that's a good place to start if you weren't here for that. So whether you are practicing a form of fasting a time of prayer, taking a nap because your body is exhausted, and sometimes there is a spiritual discipline of just taking a nap. Can I get an amen? Yes. Maybe you found some quiet, some meditation time. Maybe you found something physical to do so that your mind can get some rest. And that, that's one of the things that I practiced this week. Uh, during quarantine, I heavily practiced the radical act of weed eating and power washing and gardening and painting my house, like anything like that that I could do outside was an external physical thing I could do to kind of calm the internal chaos I was feeling. But this week was one of those weeks where I felt kind of mind fatigued. Do you ever get mind fatigued where you just feel like mentally you, you've exhausted all resources upstairs, you, you've got so many things you've been thinking about and it's just exhausted you and, and because you're mentally f fatigued, it makes you bodily fatigued. And that was me at a couple points this week. I'm a little behind in school, don't tell my teachers. Um, I, I got a little bit behind last week, where, and then, so this week, whenever you're in school, um, I'm in seminary, uh, so you have the week before and the week of to do all at the same time, and so between that and, and you know, my normal full-time job and my normal life with children and all those things, like, I, I was feeling that fatigue, like, a lot, and so Friday, I got home. Um, I had some things that I had to do here at the church and a, a meeting I had. Um, so I got home around 11. And the sun was shining like a week before everything was frozen. And then all of a sudden, Friday, like the sun was out and it was beautiful. There was a little bit of a breeze, but the sky was blue and it was warm. So I was able to put on a tank top and open up my she shed. 
I have a she shed. My kids said when they got off the bus, they knew I was doing something weird because the she shed was open. (laughs) And when they got home, I was in the backyard. And Corey, you have that picture? That's, That's the state of things when they got home because I spent four hours power washing my fence in the backyard. And so I was covered with that funk. And, and whatever comes off of your fe- uh, off your fence after you haven't power washed it in a couple of years. Um, and so I'm still finding some remnants of that in my hair. Um, but that's how I spent like four hours. And at the end of that, like I turned on a podcast so I could listen to somebody else's mental en- energy instead of my own. And I power washed. You can take that down now. Thank you. <laughs> I don't need to leave that there. Um, so I-, I did it for four hours. And I'm still physically sore, okay? Like my, my hands from holding the power washer and my arms and like from getting at that angle like this that you can get the top of your fence. Like I'm still physically sore, but I was also physically energized. Like my, it gave my mind time to rest and it gave my body like a renewed sense of just awareness of being in the sunshine and feeling that heat. I have a sunburn in February, and it's lovely. (laughs) Sometimes what our souls hunger for is not just that we need physical stillness. Sometimes we need spiritual stillness. We need mental stillness. And so we're going to be talking a little bit today about what is it that we hunger for. So we're in a series right now called Who is This Man?, where we're talking about that physical and soul hunger today. And in our passage today, um, what we're trying to identify is who, who is Jesus for these people? Who did Jesus say that he was? And who is he for us today? So we're in the Gospel of John, and we're in the Gospel of John through this whole series. So if you look on your fridge sheet, it has like a reading guide Um, If you want to read along through John with us uh, through the month of March and beginning of April, there's a little reading guide of what you can read each week in John, so that's on your fridge sheet. So this week we did John 1 through 5. It's a pretty quick read, so if you need to catch up, you have plenty of time to do so. So today we are in John chapter 6, verse 25 through 40. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Now remember, they they already saw a sign earlier, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Just remember, they're asking, now what sign can you show us? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
And Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread of heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. For all, for all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up that last day. All right, so I know that was like a long scripture, so we're going to break that down. So at the beginning of that passage, the people have found Jesus on the other side of the lake. So they, they find him, and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing over here? Meaning they've been looking for him and trying to find him, and, they, and what they want to know is really is, why aren't you where we are? <laughs> They've gone to find him and seek him out. So Jesus, not pretending that they've uh, been missing him personally, like Jesus is a cut straight to the chase kind of person, um, he goes straight to what is actually going on here and says, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. Now I want to talk about signs for just a second so that we understand, because in John's gospel, you see a lot of signs. John talks about signs a lot in his gospel, and he does this for a really good reason, because John's gospel is a lot more about theology, like what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus. So in John's gospel, he points to these signs, and he says, John doesn't say this. This is the explanation of signs. Signs are the public acts supernatural acts performed by Jesus, Jesus himself in front of the disciples or in front of the crowds. And the point of these signs, were they were designed to bring faith in people, to, or to bring their faith to Jesus as the Son of God. And they were explicitly identified as signs um, in the gospel, and they were to confirm his identity as the one sent by God. So the purpose of these signs, John is trying to confirm for people who are listening or hearing this gospel account, Jesus is the Son of God and sent by God for you. So when we read about signs, the purpose was to try and get people to understand this. Oftentimes, the emphasis was that Jesus brings life to the world through physical representation. So much of what they understood about God was, was in stories passed down or, or like God up in the sky. Jesus was the physical representation of God in the world. John was trying to get people to understand that Jesus was God here in the flesh. So now we've got that covered. What Jesus has done is that he's indicated that the people had already seen signs. They've gone looking for him and he tells them, I know you haven't come to see more signs. You came because you want more bread. So where we are in this scripture, what, what do you think happened right before this? Yes, 
He, he fed the 5,000. So if you don't know that story, Jesus, and it's a little bit different depending on which gospel account, but in John's account, he fed the 5,000. But we know it was at least 5,000 because they only counted the 5,000 men. There were probably women and kids running around there too. So we know it was at least 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus takes this bread and he takes this fish and he gives thanks. And then he passes it out, passes it out to the people until they have their fill. Like it describes that they eat as much as they want to. It's not just like everybody gets this portion. It's however much they wanted to eat there was more than enough, and there were leftovers. They ate until their physical hunger was completely satisfied. Now, how many of us have eaten until we were completely satisfied? How many of us have eaten until we were so full we were slightly uncomfortable? <laughs> now, even when you eat until you are slightly or maybe really uncomfortable. In my family, when we were younger, we called it the hurt locker. That when you, when you found yourself in the hurt locker, you had eaten your fill. Now, when you get to that point, how long are you full? Yeah. Three to six hours, depending on your metabolism, right? You're going to be hungry again that day. It doesn't last that long. Even if you have like an enormous breakfast in the morning that's enough calories to last you two days, you're still going to eat lunch. We're still going to be hungry. And that's where these people are. They found this magic man that could produce fish and bread repeatedly until they were so physically full that they had eaten their fill and were completely satisfied. So they've gone and they've looked for him because they were hungry again. And clearly this man can do whatever they need to happen for them to take their fill again. So what they've gone for, to find Jesus for is not to see his supernatural acts. It is not to witness a miracle of God. It is to find some more food. So they saw the sign they saw the, the, the miracle, but they missed it. But they, they saw it, but they missed it. They saw, all they saw was a guy that can multiply food. That's all they saw. So in their minds, if I can stay with this guy, I'll never be hungry again. I will never feel the desire to be full again. I will always have access to that food. I will always be physically satisfied. So how many of us wait until it is our physical needs that aren't being met to seek out Jesus? How many of us wait until we are hungry, hungry for food, for love, for ambition, for physical touch, or even just the feeling of not being hungry for anything at all, hungry to be numb. How many of us wait until then to find Jesus? I'll tell you that those are all perfectly appropriate times to seek God when you are feeling 
hungry for, for the, the world and in ways that are, are not healthy. Like those are perfectly appropriate times to seek out God. But I want you to hear what Jesus is saying in this passage. Because the people in this story are fixated on filling their bellies again, on satisfying their natural appetite, their physical hunger. And what Jesus is trying to do is get them to see a different kind of bread. He's trying to get them to come a little bit deeper. He's not, he's not saying that hunger won't come. He's not saying that you shouldn't have hunger. Because those things will come. That is the natural state of humanity. But what he's trying to do is he's trying to teach them that what they really need to come to him for is to satisfy a deeper hunger, a soul hunger. A hunger that leads to us taking our fill and endlessly desiring more is a physical human hunger. What Jesus was trying to do was take them a little bit deeper. So C.S. Lewis, he's, um, he was a writer. I guess you could probably call him a theologian. He was an atheist and then became a Christian. So he's got some really amazing um, books on what it's like to finally realize who God is. Mere Christianity is just a beautiful book if you've never read that. But this is one of the things that he has to say about about hunger, about desire. The Christian says, creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger. Well, there is such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim, and there is such a thing as water. Humans feel physical desire. And there is a certain thing called physical touch. So if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it but only to arouse it, to suggest and point to the real thing. So the people in our story today are focused on getting back to the satisfying feeling of eating this magic bread and fish, and they want a guy who can supply it at any time they want. And Jesus is showing them just how profoundly they have missed the point. Because the point was not to point people to physical satisfaction. What he did there that day, that miracle of feeding the more than 5,000, was not supplying a physical hunger satisfaction forever and ever. Amen. It was to point people to the real thing they were hungry for. What they were deeply and truly hungry for. So every human being experiences this longing, this ache, this inconsolable desiring for we know not what. Pick your poison. We are fundamentally desiring beings. We want to be happy and full and satisfied. There is an 
unappeasable want in us, an incommunicable hunger, a wild and sweet homesickness at the core of who we are. And we are always searching and searching and searching for that object of desire. This very existence of this desire is a testimony to the existence of God. Just as the fact that physical hunger testifies that we come from a race that repairs body by eating and we inhabit a world where eatable substances exist, like all those things come together and make beautiful natural sense. This is the world we live in. But if there is a God-shaped hole in the, in the human soul, it must mean that God is real and that we were made for that God. It must mean that. Now for some of you, you may think that the thing that you need isn't really what you need, or, or you may think that what you need is what you truly want. But just like these people, the, the more magic bread is not what the crowd needed. All of us are tempted to labor for food that spoils, for things that in the end will let us down and disappoint us and won't ultimately satisfy the hunger in our souls. So what is that thing for you? What is it that you hunger for? What perishable thing are you chasing to fill a hunger that will only be satisfied by a relationship with your creator? What hole in your heart are you trying to fill with food or drink or drugs or more clothes or more cars, more TV channels, more stuff? Again, what I want to say to you here is that what Jesus is saying isn't that you shouldn't have desire, that you shouldn't have hunger. What he's saying is that satisfying that physical hunger is only going to be a temporary thing. What we truly desire, what our soul truly yearns for, is an eternal satisfaction, an eternal food. Physical hunger will never be satisfied eternally. Our natural bodies just weren't meant for that. We have metabolism for a reason, however terrible they are. <laughs> so the feeling of being physically satisfied is what gives us a glimpse of eternal satisfaction. And that is only offered through Jesus. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is a satisfaction that we truly hunger for. We hunger for our souls to be whole. To be in communion with God. To be satisfied with food only Jesus can offer. Will we have physical hunger still? 
Like when we are truly in communion with God, do we still get hungry? Absolutely. The girl can eat. But do we still desire the things of this world? Absolutely. Our humanity calls for it. But what Jesus has done here is to teach us a universal truth of humanity. That God will meet us in both our physical needs and the needs of our soul. But without us seeking out Jesus for the needs of our soul, what we find ourselves taking our fill in is chasing magic bread of the world. So during the, um, the deep freeze that we had here in South Louisiana and Texas, um, I read a story online about a man in Shreveport um, who was homeless. And this man, every day, he went to this homeless ministry called uh, Hope House. And he went there every day for hot coffee. And once a month, he gathered with them to do Bible study. Physical needs, physical hunger, physical food was offered through Hope House. Spiritual food was offered through Hope House. So every week they would see this man. And on February 15th, the low was five degrees in Shreveport. And Hope House had to make the heartbreaking announcement. And I cannot, I've, no matter how many times I've practiced this, I cry. So it's just, get ready. And they said, I am saddened to post this, but one of our friends who came to Hope House each morning for coffee and attended the monthly Bible study froze to death last night. Around 10.30 p.m., he was found. Ooh, ooh, Jesus. At 10.30 p.m., he was found in a sitting position, slumped over against a brick wall of a business downtown. We want any family he had to be contacted prior to releasing his name, so we ask that you continue to pray for our friends that are on the streets. Those of us that work on the front line of homelessness are greatly saddened, angry, and confused as to why there isn't more help during emergency weather conditions. This will be a day for us to work through these emotions. Please, please pray for us also. You know, you read stories like this in the world, and I read stories like this, and what I always wonder when I read things like that was, where were we? Where were the Christians? How does something like this happen? And then I think about Hope House, who were the only people the police knew to contact for this man. And all along, they had been meeting this man in his physical and his soul hunger. The truth is that sometimes our physical needs will fail us because we are human. And that is Jesus' entire point. We were only made for this world temporarily, for a blip in time. And those physical needs won't be met, and our physical hunger and physical thirst and physical requirement of shelter in the midst of a freezing crisis may fail us. People and churches may fail us because none of those things are guaranteed in this world. 
So what I want to offer you today is to hold on to what is guaranteed. Chase that. Chase the Spirit of God with as much fervor, with as much eagerness as you can muster, because that is what is eternally satisfying. That is what will sustain your soul here now in this life, but also eternally. I didn't know this man that froze, and I still don't know his name, but what I'm hoping, what I'm just hoping and praying that in those moments when he was alone and he was cold, that he felt the presence of God with him because of the relationships and the hot coffee and the Bible study that he shared at a place like Hope House. That, that's, that's what I hope and I pray for. And I am just hoping and praying that I and you will be our own Hope House for people needing to satisfy a physical and a soul hunger. That whatever we can offer this world offer our neighbor, let it not just be a momentary satisfaction of physical hunger. Whatever we crave and seek to satisfy in our own hungers, let it not just be for a momentary satisfaction of physical desire. Let us be the kind of people who will satisfy our souls first by seeking connection with our Creator. Let us be the kind of people who don't just offer a $5 bill out of, the home, out of our window to a homeless person, but will also give a word of encouragement, a soul deposit into their humanity, into their soul. Let us be the people who know and live out that Jesus is the bread of life, and not just eternally, but here and now and with every breath. So every week um, as a community, we celebrate communion, and every message that we have ends up pointing us back to this communion table, a place of satisfying a soul hunger. And every week we end our message time at the table with this act as a community of faith. Because everything that we teach in Scripture, everything that we can do um, to learn about God, to understand about God, and everything we can do as a community all points us back to God's table because that is the place where we can all truly repent of what is broken in us, repent of what we hunger for in this world and the way that we've broken things in the world because of our own hunger. And at God's table, we all have a place to belong to momentarily come together in the Spirit of God while we receive these gifts and feel whole and satisfied individually but as a body. Will you pray for me? Pray with me. Pray for me also because I'm still emotionally wrecked. Let's pray.